Almighty God, we come before you and we say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are always good. In the moments that are rich and beautiful like this, as we dedicate these, these wonderful children and those moments of life where we can't see you and we can't feel you and it feels like you're absent, God, in those moments you are always good, Lord. You are still there and you are ministering to us in the depths of our hearts, God. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would speak to us and show us what your way is, God. That we would, we would be inspired by your way, which is really different than the way that we tend to be led by this world, God. So I pray, Lord, in your name, that you would lead us in that way today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Calvary Church. It is good to see you all. And uh, just excited to be able to share with you God's Word today. And just uh, even as I was praying, you know, we're in this series in the book of Mark, which is a biography written by a guy named Mark of Jesus. And in this biography is uh, this middle portion of it. It's chapters 8 through 10 is this part where Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. He's on the way to the cross. And so we've called this Jesus' unexpected way because much of what he does and the way he acts and the things that he says are unexpected and even what I think we could define as, as upside down. Uh, a lot of times we even refer to Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, as the upside down kingdom because what he tells us to do and how he lives is just so flipped from the way that you would thought someone would act in that time and also very different than how our culture and world thinks we should act in our time. And so that's why we've titled today, How Do I Win? How do I win in this world? We are in a culture of winning. That winning, getting first, being first, being at the top is what is most important and it's typically at all costs. Who cares how it affects others? I don't care who like ends up beat up along the way, but how do I win at all costs? And it's just per pervasive throughout our culture and our world. And so what we're going to see from Jesus in this story today in Mark 9, if you want to grab your Bibles and start turning there, but in Mark 9 verse 30 is this story where Jesus shows and, and teaches about a completely flipped, upside-down, unexpected way to win in this world. So let's uh, go ahead and, and get there now. Mark 9, verse 30. And if you remember last week even, we had just come off of this uh, father who brought his son to have a demon cast out of him, and Jesus does. I, he says, I believe. Help my unbelief. And they leave from that moment, and then it says from there... They went out and began to go through Galilee because they've been going from farther north and they're heading towards Jerusalem. And it says uh, he didn't want anyone to know about it. So about how, where they're going because he was teaching his disciples. And he's, he's wanting often to get some time alone with his disciples to be able to teach them, help them to understand these core things. And so he, it says he was telling them in verse 31, the son of man, which is a, clear name for Jesus as Messiah, the Son of Man, is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he's been killed, he will rise three days later. Now to you, probably even if you are even a visitor today that has never been to church, 
in your entire life, you probably have a sense of what Jesus is talking about here. You probably actually have enough sort of just literary culture, pop culture references to the death and resurrection of Jesus, to what Easter is, that kind of a thing, that you know that's what he's talking about. Check out what the disciples thought in verse 32. It says, but they did not understand this statement and they were afraid to ask him. So they not only don't get what he's talking about, even though it seems pretty clear to us, but then they're scared to even ask him because Jesus has been saying, um, you know, he's been commenting on how they don't get it. their spiritual dullness, so to speak. And <laughs> they're just like, we don't want to get called out again. You know, no, I don't want to ask because it's like you're scared of what's going to happen when you ask the what seems like a stupid question. And uh, it, it's just important for us to recognize, though, that this is kind of like, this is hard for them to get. This is hard for them to understand. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Verse 33. It says, Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you discussing on the way, Jesus says. And it's one of those little, like, I, I actually know what you're talking about, but you're going to have to tell me, all right? And it says, But they kept silent. For on the way, they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest which I'm sure like, is not everything that Jesus wants for them to be talking about, right? But it's probably what we all tend to think about. Sitting down, he called the 12. And this is a thing, like the rabbis would be walking around with their people, okay? They've got their, their disciples, their followers, and they'd be walking around, and, and uh, then there'd be these moments where they sit and then, hey, gather around. This is a teaching moment, and it's, it's the time for the disciples to focus and listen because they're getting it wrong. And so Jesus says, all right, let's sit, let's listen. And he says this to them. If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Is there any more upside down, unexpected kind of statement you can make about how to win? If you want to be first, be last. That makes zero sense, right? If you want to be first, be last and be a servant of all. Then taking a child, he set him before them, taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him, the father who sent me. All right. So let's think about all of this a little bit, because this is very unexpected. This is very upside down when you think of, okay, so the way that I'm supposed to win is to get last place, right? Or to be last. That, that isn't, you know, what I would normally think of as that. And so Jesus models for them, he teaches them, and he gives them some examples. And I think what's interesting is Jesus even gave them a model of this unexpected greatness, even before they started to ask the question, so even as they're on the way, Jesus, who is actually first, okay? Jesus is the one who is first of all. That one says to them about himself, the son of man is to be delivered into the hands of men. So God himself in the flesh is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And... <laughs> Him as God, him as the Messiah, him as the Deliverer is the one that is saying, let me show you how to be last. 
And so he models these things. He models servanthood. He models sacrifice. He models humility. And he does that through what we call the incarnation, which is when God himself takes on flesh and lives this life as a human being and takes on and understands some of the the pain and the struggle that we go through, that he experienced that. So even just him doing that alone, just the incarnation alone is an amazing example of going from first to last. Yet he then doesn't just do that, he then goes through the crucifixion where he dies upon that cross and suffers and sacrifices of himself for us. Now we know that he comes back to life again as he says he will on that third day, but uh, this, this sense of giving up of himself is this ultimate model of, you know, of this um, unexpected greatness. Now, you think of, like, okay, the disciples and them being afraid to ask the question. They're afraid to ask about it. They don't get it. How do they not get it? Jesus is telling them about this a few times even, and they still just don't understand. And I think it's pretty hard for us to get that they don't get it, right? Like it's, it's so ingrained in what we know about that it's hard to understand how they don't get it. But really for them, this whole thing of him dying and him coming back to life again, probably like it's understandable that they wouldn't. It's understandable that it's incomprehensible because when they think of him as the Messiah, who is the Messiah to them? What they expect of the Messiah is that the Messiah is going to come and is going to establish his eternal kingdom of righteousness, of justice on this earth, that he's going to help them overthrow their occupiers, the Roman Empire, and they will have this kingdom of their own. And so they think he is the one that's coming to do all of that is what they think. So how could he die? It's not possible for him to die. So they think it's, ah, he's talking about something else. I don't really know what he's talking about, and we're afraid to ask. But him dying just wasn't one of the possible options for them. And then you think about him saying, and then we'll rise again. Now, not even all Jews believed in resurrection. And then those who did thought of it as this thing to come. And at the age to come is when all will rise, that sort of concept. But not one, an individual now having the power to, be, to raise themselves back to life. So those things just weren't even in their scope of options. So it's just, we've got to give the disciples a little bit of a, a break at some level. But, um, but wanting us to see... Maybe a little bit of where do we not get it still? And be willing to admit the times when we don't get what Jesus is doing or what he's calling us to. Because I think this story today is one of those examples where he's telling us this and we still don't get it. First shall be last. Because he teaches this unexpected greatness pretty clearly when he says it. If anyone wants to be first... He shall be last of all and be servant of all. Now, this whole thing of, okay, be first. If you want to be first, it's not, it's not a punitive thing. Like, it's not if, if you're wanting to be first, I'm going to make you end up being last. It's not that. What he's saying here is if you want to be first, like if that's something that you want to have happen, this is how you get there. You end up being last and be servant. And that's hard to even, again, like I said, understand what in the world he's talking about. I mean, imagine... That, that you're trying to process this and you've been waiting at the DMV line for three hours and you finally get to the front 
and good old Jesus walks up to you and is like, guess what? It's coming back to the end again. <laughs> That's what it means to be first. No, I won't do it. You'll be the rich young ruler and leave and never follow Jesus again. Uh, and it's if, uh, or it's kind of like the, the Southwest Airlines plane experience. You know, I mean, you've, you've worked so hard to earn your A status and you've checked in on time early and all that, you know, and you're, you're excited because you got your like A4, you know, and you're just like, yes, I'm getting on that plane first and I'm going to get my carry-on in the perfect spot and I'm going to be able to get off this plane right away. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not A, it's not B, it's not C, it's Z. Come on, you know, get back here to the back of the plane and just wait to be the last one on and the last one off. It doesn't make sense to our minds, right? We earn the right to be first. We work hard even to earn the right to be first. Some of us think we should be first without earning the right at all. And I was going to make a joke actually about how you could come and be first with me because Calvary Church gets this passage, the first shall be last, because you'd like to sit in the back when there's plenty of seats in the front. Um, but the front row's looking pretty good today. I'm kind of excited about it, you know? Uh, usually, like, sometimes I'm by myself up here and I need some friends to come join me. But it's just because you understand this passage, right? You just, you want to, like, allow the first to be last and the last to be first. But, uh, but uh, with, with this... Um, you know, it's interesting, if you're thinking about being one of these disciples and you're following this Jesus and you're excited that, hey, we're, we're going to be the in crowd, right? We're going to be the people that are the core, the, the elite when he establishes his kingdom. And they're trying to figure out who's the greatest of all of them. And, he's, and he says this line and you're maybe kind of disappointed, right? You're just kind of thinking like, what is he doing? Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be last, now, you have to think about it a little bit, too, in, in their cultural context. It was an extreme social hierarchy, okay? You've got an honor-shame culture, and you've got this, like, all this, this very strict class system. Within the Roman Empire, there's, like, few people that are at the very, 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 very top. And then uh, you really have about a 3% upper, upper class. Another about 7% makes about a 10% of the highest upper class. And then the other 90% is sort of everybody else. And they're just, and now that's even like stratified in some way. That has classes within it. But they're just wanting to be able to get a little bit higher because it's survival. They are in this culture where it is just hand to mouth. Like you are just trying to get enough for your next meal. And so for them to be able to be in that higher class would have just been like, I mean, it would just be everything for them. And so then for Jesus to say this to them is really, really shocking. But you think of our context now, I mean, Orange County culture, Orange County culture draws us to be first. It draws us to be served, to be pampered, to deserve everything to be easy for us. That's what, what our culture draws us to. It doesn't encourage us to be last, not at all. And so this is all upside down. This is all very countercultural. Just as it was for them, it very much so is for us as well. And so that's why then Jesus brings this first shall be last or this servant leadership concept. And there's, there's like other parts where in, in the scriptures where Jesus talks about this too. This is not the only place. Even in, in my Bible, when I'm looking at Mark 9.30, just on the very next page in Mark 10.31, he says, many who are first will be last and the last first. On, uh, and then in Mark 
35 to 45, I'm not going to go into detail on these because we're going to be obviously teaching on them very soon. It's the next page. But um, the disciples are already arguing again about who's going to be greatest. Like just one chapter later, they're having the same argument again. And Jesus says in 44, whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. And then he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus continues this. It's also in Matthew 20, 16. But he, he continues about uh, this concept for them in, in this way because, because of how much pride is a problem. Pride and focus on self were a problem for them and are a problem for us. Big time. Our pride, our focus on what we get is completely opposite of the way that Jesus is teaching them about here. And that we constantly want to be first. We constantly want to be best. Um, you know, I know sometimes I even get, like, disappointed or, or kind of frustrated with people. Like, you know, you get in a conversation with someone and they just start this, like, list of all the awesome things that they have done. You know, when you get with somebody that just loves to talk about how great they are and they give you like, I'm, I've done this, I've done that. And you're just kind of like, all right, you know, like that's great. But like after a while, I'll find myself like being, I'm sort of annoyed by that at first or disappointed in it. But then I'll find myself trying to match up with it at the same time, right? You're, you're kind of drawn to be like, well, I'm pretty cool too, you know? And it's like this thing in us that we want to be great. And that pride just can, can bring us to this place where it's the opposite of Jesus' way. And I love, uh, I love this little line. I don't even know who to attribute it to, but it's to be more interested than interesting. Be more interested than interesting. That, like, be more interested in the other person and about them than you are in trying to sound really cool and interesting yourself, right? That's a great way to kind of model some of this, right? Just to live some of this out in a, just sort of a, in a relational way. To be more interested in the other person than trying to be interesting yourself. And I think that's a, a way that we can do this. And so obviously these disciples in this, in this argument over who's the greatest, obviously they're putting themselves first. But how do you put yourself first? What are the ways that, that you do this in your life? It's important for us to consider that and think about that because also what we see in here is he says to be the servant of all. That this whole thing even of... Uh, of servant leadership is sort of just a thing we say in the Christian world. It's because of this. It's because Jesus says, you are to be a servant of all. And he's talking to his core. He's talking to the 12 disciples. If you want to be first, be a servant of all. And it's this whole thing of servant leadership. If you want to lead, you have to serve. And so we have to recognize that that's how Jesus wants us to lead. And what's interesting is you think about if you are a servant, you're not focused on your needs. You're not focused on making yourself great. What you're supposed to be focused on as a servant is making the master great, making the one that you are serving great. And so for us as servants of God, even if we are leaders, we are, or no, 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 especially if we are leaders, we are supposed to be making God's name great, not our own. 
And that's why even what leadership means is to equip others for the work of ministry. It's not even how good we do the ministry ourselves. It's about how we equip other people to do ministry. It's not about accolades. It's not about how great we are. It's about how great Jesus is. And so Jesus teaches them this unexpected way of being great, to be last and to be servant, which I'm sure for you is hard. It is for me. And finally, Jesus does this thing where he shows them kind of this picture of unexpected greatness. In these last couple verses, it says that he takes a child. He set him before them and takes him, the child, in his arms. And he said to them, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. Now, the thing is, in that time, yeah, come on up, is uh, little children were one of the lowest in society, okay? Um, Little children weren't valued. I'm going to grab a little child here, (laughs) okay? I just found one, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, B. Um, This is Logan. Say hi, Logan. (laughs) Uh, Logan is... uh, our grandnephew, I guess is what he's called. Um, so he's, he's our bee's niece, Tiffany's son. And uh, we have been just like really involved in Logan's life. And it's been awesome. Yeah, buddy. How are you? Uh, and uh, Logan is, is amazing. This amazing little kid. So uh, his parents, Tiffany and Ryan. Yeah. Oh, you want me to be quiet? I think that's what the crowds, <laughs> the crowds agree. Yeah. Just wrap it up, buddy. <laughs> so it's been cool. Like, and um, we, just, we just love Logan. We love Tiffany and Ryan. And we've just had the, the privilege of sort of being in their lives, like being for Logan, kind of a, a grandparent of sorts. And so even on this grandparents' day, um, we, yeah, I'm a grand uncle, but we're really kind of playing that part of a, of a grandpa and even his... <laughs> Yeah, but his dad is uh, Filipino, and so they've like chosen to call us kind of this informal name of of grandparents in Filipino, which is Lolo and Lola, and so that's our names, and it's just been that pretty big honor to kind of like serve in that way in their life, and we love this guy, we cherish him. I mean, you think about in our culture, right, our culture, how much we love and care for these precious kids. And we, we spend a bunch of money on them, right? Even we do as in this role. And, <laughs> and like we, we just, we value them so much. And to think about in Jesus' time, they didn't value children. Children really didn't have value. They were thought of more about for like what they could maybe offer you later when they could work on your farm or as a helping you in your business in some way or the dowry that they would bring for you later. But as a child, they were pretty insignificant and didn't add value. And you think, what in the world, right? Like for us, like we just love these kids so much. And, you know, we love Logan so much. And you think about, okay, so culturally we love and value children today, but who do we turn away today? Who do we not value today? It might blow your mind that you would think someone would not value this amazing little guy because we value him so much. But who do we not value? And you think maybe it's someone different than you. Maybe it's like, maybe it's someone that is poor. Maybe it's someone that is 
uh, obnoxious, like you think of a seemingly obnoxious teenager, and you don't value them. You don't value, um, you don't value the immigrants. You don't value the prisoner. You don't value the mentally ill. And in, in uh, I think I should pass him off, even though he's being so good. I just kind of want to hang out with him, you know. <laughs> good job, buddy. <laughs> um, so say bye, Logan. <laughs> All right, but like he's just this awesome kid, right? Just you think, wow, how could, how could you not value him? Who do we not value? We don't value certain people in our world today. But in Matthew 25, 44, Jesus said, Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. This is the, the heart that Jesus wants us to have towards those who our culture does not value. Does our culture value those who are the stranger or homeless or sick or in prison? Like whoever these people could be that in your mind it is hard for you to value. I think Jesus is probably saying to you today, be last of all, be servant of all to them. I want you to serve them. I want you to receive one of them. And when you receive them, you receive me. And when you receive me, you receive my Father who has sent me. And I don't know where, where you're at. That might be easy for you. That might be really hard. You could be so focused on self that you haven't even thought about it. You haven't even thought about how to serve these least of these. In James 2.5 says, Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? That Jesus values those who we don't often value in our world. It's so important for us to think this through today. How do you offer people, or how do you value people that offer you nothing? That's like what a child represent, represented in that time. Someone that offered you nothing. They were just, you had to spend, you had to work for them, and they didn't give you anything. So how do you value those people today? Are they an annoyance to you? Are they just nothing to you? Are they a problem to fix for you, but you don't actually think of them as, as a person? I just... Our prayer and my hope for us is that our hearts would change in that way and we would have the heart and mind of Christ in this. Because, you see, God didn't have to create a system where he like, came down and became servant of all. He didn't have to create it that way. He was radiant and glowing and bright and descended from heaven and just said, bow before me, people. And then everyone would bow before him. The whole world would have. But he came as a servant. He came to serve. And then he expects the same from us. That we would have a heart of servanthood. That we wouldn't just even serve, but that our hearts would be hearts of servanthood to care for those that should be cared for in his mind, in the eyes of God. And so I, my, my encouragement for you today is as we respond to this, to examine your heart for servanthood. Examine your heart for the desire to be first. Do you just 
think about winning all the time? Or do you think about saying, Lord, I want to win in the way you want me to win, to serve, to be last, and to pray that God gives you that heart, that God gives you the heart and the desire to be a servant and to be last. And so I think that heart part of it is what's most important. But also, I just then want to encourage you, take the heart and then put the heart into action. Okay? I think a lot of times we, we can think and we can pray and we can have a, a heart for something, but we still don't do anything about it. God wants us to like, take that heart and turn it into action because belief isn't belief unless action is attached to it. All right? And so we, we act on that. So I'd even encourage you, like, look at the card. Uh, there's a card in the back of the seat in front of you, as we say. Okay? That card on the back of it, on the bottom half says, I want to join a team and serve with. Maybe there's a team, or maybe there's a team that you want to serve with as response to this, that you can be serving in some way within our church body. You could also be serving in some amazing ways in arenas outside of our church body and our community. And so be looking for those opportunities as well, that, to be able to serve outside. And so what I encourage you with, though, mostly is to be serving to have a heart to serve and then start acting on it. And I think even as we act on it, God is working on our hearts. So in a moment, we're going to be able to respond in a couple ways. One is we're going to be passing our offering. And then the, uh, the next is that after that, we'll be able to come and receive communion. That communion is at these tables or around the room that you can come and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made, that he came to serve, not to be served, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. And so that's what we remember as we, as we take of the bread and drink from the cup. We'll have people available at the stations for prayer, the prayer points as well after that. But first, we're going to pass the offering. And uh, just I want you even to consider even in this moment, that this is an act of worship and an act of servanthood and practicing how you can make yourself last of all and servant of all. Because our money is the thing that we hold on to thinking that it makes us best. If I, the more money I have, the more first I am. So as we let go of that and we give it to the Lord and we say, Lord, I want to worship you and serve you through this giving it's, it's doing a work in your heart and mind as well. So let's pray for that, and let's pray for our hearts to receive. Heavenly Father, God, I pray, Lord, that we would be people that receive those who are the most unvalued in our culture today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us remember to be servants to be last, God. Honestly, Lord, it's so hard to even think that way. We're just so wired to win. So God, I pray that you'd show us what true winning looks like. I thank you, Lord, that you reward us for that too. Lord, I pray that as we give now, Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts and minds that is transformative. That as we give you this money, Lord, it is showing us what it looks like to be last of all and servant of all. Lord, I pray that as you're working in our hearts as we sing, Lord, as we are proclaiming you as the King of kings and we are your servants, God, I pray that you would be shaping our hearts to be hearts of servanthood, Lord. 
And may your name be made great. In Jesus' name, amen.